You're listening to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Our guest today is Guy Hirsch, USA Managing Director at eToro. This episode is brought to you by Exigma DeFi, the world's first publicly backed decentralized exchange. Exigma is building an industry-leading decentralized cryptocurrency exchange and stablecoin network that solves all the prevailing issues with decentralized finance and automated market makers. Exigma's award-winning development team is working hard to capture the true value of decentralized finance. Visit them at xsigma.finance to learn more. I'm your host, Dustin Plantle. Join us as we dive into the world of economics, politics, tech, Bitcoin, and cryptocurrency. For even more crypto-related news, sign up at news.bitcoin.com or follow us on Twitter at Bitcoin.com. Now let's bring on our guest. Guy Hirsch, welcome to the Bitcoin.com podcast. Hi, Dustin. Thank you for having me. I'm such a huge fan. I'm excited to be uh, on. Yeah. You and a lot of people. I must say, Guy, I have, I, I have a lot of fans out there, uh, but I am personally a fan of eToro. So thank you so much for coming on with us today. And I'm very interested in hearing more about your organization and more of your story and how you got into crypto. Does that sound good? hundred percent. I'm excited to do this. Let's dig in. So you're a, you're a crypto guy. Were you originally a crypto guy or did you start off in the world of finance? So my kind of journey with crypto started, uh, I mean, I was living in Silicon Valley at the time and I started hearing chatter about Bitcoin very kind of early on. Um, the, um, the first real, I would say, huge miss of, of crypto for me was when I had dinner with Vinny um uh, uh one of the founders of uh, or the co-founder of uh, of civic um and he and i met uh for dinner i, I believe it was 2010 in uh, a kind of a venture capital uh a dinner that a venture capital firm in los angeles uh, arranged and for three hours the guy who was already a successful entrepreneur tried to convince me to buy bitcoin to just go ahead and buy Bitcoin. That's 2010. And he educated me for, for uh, you know, a few hours. I, I knew about Bitcoin, you know, uh, quite a bit by that time, but he tried to convince me to really get in and he, he was a trusted uh, person and I should have listened to what he was saying, but I didn't. I, went I back have heard this was, story many times. So you would have been one of those guys. You'd be somewhere owning an island by now. and Correct. Correct. I, I should have gone just down to the, you know, to the ATM, take whatever I had in the checking account, just give it to him and say, okay, good luck, buy Bitcoin for me and doesn't, you know, and uh, I'll be all set. But I didn't do that. Um, and I, I did went, I, I, I went back home, I downloaded the wallet, but I ended up not buying. I obviously, you know, bought kind of, uh, you know, uh, um, a year or two later, but still it was not, not as, uh, as uh, opportunistic as it was in 2000 uh, when, when Vinny told me about it. And that was the genesis of my journey with crypto. And ever since then, I, um, you know, I've been on, the, uh, on, on this train, learning, reading, understanding the, the immense value of uh, Bitcoin and uh, decentralized finance and just being an, an avid, avid um, believer that this will fundamentally change how we live. So, Guy, where do you learn? I mean, many people that are getting into this space in the early days, it's kind of scary. It's overwhelming. Where do you pick up your information from? I mean, what are some of the more creditable sites? 
Google's my best friend, which sometimes doesn't always lead me in the right direction. Uh, what would you recommend? So I, um, I actually read uh, quite a bit about the history of money. Uh, in Satoshi's paper, there's a lot of references to prior work, uh, decades old work about all sorts of concepts that helped um, you know, whoever Satoshi is to come up with this protocol. So whether it's uh, DigiCash, whether it's uh, other project that were, um, that looked into uh, hashing, that looked into all sorts of concepts that are baked into the protocol. And I started to read about um, the history of money and the history of, of um, encryption and the history of uh, cyberpunks and all that kind of movement uh, that were on the mailing list that were, you know, Satoshi was communicating with a few of them. And uh, what, what did they do? What, what, you know, what work they were doing. And I, what I found is that uh, whoever Satoshi is, that it wasn't just a fluke. Uh, that, that guy or girl or group, they really learned um, a lot about um, years of research that other people did, did on all sorts of aspects of the protocol and, and kind of assembled it together to something that can really work, that can really be trusted, that is truly decentralized. And I think what's fascinating beyond learning about Bitcoin itself and what, you know, what happened with the community surrounding Bitcoin is that everything was basically, if you, if you read that history, everything was ready for someone to assemble all these concepts into something that can work and scale the way that you know Bitcoin is, um, but I, I I also believe that Bitcoin is a philosophical movement. It's 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 a uh, I believe primarily libertarian or libertarian leaning of people who want to you know basically separate the state from money, and they are extremely extremely passionate about that. And and Bitcoin gives them. Uh, a way to uh, realize some sort of a future that they that they want to see, and I believe that that passion is really strong. And I also read about kind of those, uh, I would say, uh, philosophical beliefs as as a way to understand why Bitcoin is gaining popularity. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. You know, there's an old saying that is, "What do you believe, and why do you believe it?" I mean, the more that you dig in and you learn and you educate yourself, what you find is that cryptocurrency is not a space that is. Uh, uh, controlled by a group of criminals or thugs or, or bad human beings, you're, people that are looking to, quite frankly, change the world, to, to improve it, to make it easier to transfer money, to easier to transfer assets, and to do it at fees and rates that are much less expensive than the current market. So so talk to me about eToro. Why was eToro started in 2007? I mean, what sort of problem were you looking to solve? So eToro was started because um, the, the two brothers that started it, Yoni and Onen Asya from two Israeli brothers, they realized that it's really difficult. Uh, we're talking 2007. It's really difficult to, to trade, to access markets for the average Joe. Uh, it's, it's cumbersome. It's not friendly. Uh, back then, the only way to do it was really through your bank. And your bank was putting all sorts of guardrails and you know, horrible UI, UX. And this is a time that, um, you know, you had other apps that were popping up in other verticals that were really easy to use. And so they said, why not do this 
in the financial services space. And so they built eToro to create a very easy, simple way to give access uh, to, pe- to, to people, to retail investors, to markets. And um, additionally, what was interesting about their story is, um, I don't know if your audience is aware, but usually when Israeli, when Israeli start uh, companies and we, we, you know, Israelis tend to start a lot of companies, uh, the goal or their, their key market is not even the local market. It's not Israel and it's not even Europe, which is close uh, or closer than the U.S. Um, they're, they're, they're set on the U.S. market uh, from day one. What was different about Yoni and Ornette's strategy is that they went to Europe, which was quite different than the typical route of an Israeli startup. So they went and launched in Europe. And over the years, that bet was immensely su- successful. So eToro is, is dominating the, U- the U- European markets in many of the European countries, uh, the number one app in what we're doing. And that proved to be very, very successful to build uh, you know, effectively a unicorn um, before heading to the US. And what do you attribute the success to? I mean, there's lots of competitors in the space, yet you've been able to track over 13 million traders and operate in 140 plus countries. Like, Tell me about that. So I, I, I would say that one of the secret ingredients, it's not so, so, so much secret because I'm about to, to say it, but it is the fact that eToro is a marketing powerhouse. So we, um, our business flow or our business, uh, our business is based on acquiring users. So we're, we're not shy about advertising, about spending to acquire customers, whether it's, it's uh, through um, affiliate channels or media partnerships or, or brand, we, we're doing a lot of um, highly effective marketing in order to acquire users, making them aware of eToro. This is contrary to, uh, for example, some of the success stories in the US of companies that grew uh, predominantly uh, um, based on viral loops or, or, or word of mouth uh, that is uh, the way that many of, I think, the leaders in the U.S. Um, you know, got their um, pretty large user base. We are experts in marketing. We are experts in performance marketing. And it really helps, um, uh, you know, if you want to gain market share to, to have this discipline, to have these kind of core skills in order to grow. So couple that with a great app, a great user experience, great customer service, the fact that we are regulated in multiple uh, jurisdictions. And so that gives our users some trust that, you know, we, we play by the book and there's, you know, there's uh, um, uh, kind of a responsible player. And co- you, you bring all that together and that really drives uh, a lot of adoption. And so that, I think, is what makes eToro uh, the leader in, in Europe and elsewhere where we are, um, we have been playing for, for a while. You know, it, it's interesting that trust and respect are both earned. I mean, you can go on your website and you can see all of the players at the company that are in a position of leadership, from a, a VP of customer facing to a VP of HR to general counsel, that you're not hiding. You're telling regulators around the world look, this is us. Here's our team. Look us up. That you are doing this by the book. 
and still seeing success. And, and I have to say that that is quite remarkable. I mean, the, the world of cryptocurrency does have its set of bad actors, and it, you are not one of them. And what are you starting to see now with regulators? Are they starting to, to get warmer to, to crypto? Like, what are you seeing from your side? Uh, the, the short answer is yes. The, the longer answer is a bit more nuanced. So as I said, initially, the, the movement around Bitcoin is predominantly libertarian, right? So the, the movement wants to see uh, a separation between state and money, basically making money unaccessible uh, to, to governments or being censorship resistance and everything else that's uh, being, uh, I would say, uh, baked into the concept of, of, of Bitcoin. However, uh, having said that, and that's obviously something that governments, you know, no matter which government is, is opposed to and will not, uh, you know, will, will basically make sure that it, it's not happening. Um, having said that, there are tremendous merits in moving the financial services system, in moving banking, in moving remittance into uh, blockchain rails, uh, make everything um, or make money, uh, uh, digital money, right? We're talking about the e-dollar. We're talking about all sorts of other uh, propositions in Europe and in Asia to, uh, to basically mint kind of a sovereign coin, if you may. That is the future because they understand that if they're going to do that, they will actually have better control or they will have a much tighter grasp of the monetary system in their country or about uh, foreign relations with other nations in terms of remittance and, and uh, foreign exchange and compliance. They will be able to bake compliance into the code so that there won't be any, mon any money laundering. There won't be any violation of rules because you, you won't be able to break the rules. It will be hard-coded into the transaction. These are tremendous value add to governments and they started to realize that. So I would say it's, it's a mix. They clearly don't want to live in a world where they have no power over money. But on the other hand, there are tremendous um, benefits to abandon the old world and kind of join the kind of the blockchain uh, era. And that would make their operations a lot more efficient and a lot more compliant. That's a great way of putting it. And the retail space, I mean, are you seeing there's more adoption coming in in retail or do you see more adoption coming in from family offices, family funds? Or are you starting to see, we like to refer to as the big money. Are you seeing a shift come in? Oh, for sure. So just today, PayPal announced that it will support uh, the purchase of, of cryptocurrencies. That, that is major news. Now, it, it's, it's not a surprise because they saw the success of Cash App and what they have managed to accomplish by offering the purchase of Bitcoin on their platform and how much uh, traction they're getting for, from uh, uh, their users who were primarily, I don't know if you're, uh, uh, or just, just to make sure people know, Cash App was a P2P um, app uh, at, at the beginning. But the, uh, the addition of Bitcoin all of a sudden, the, the ability to, be, to buy Bitcoin made them one of the leaders in, in the space. So PayPal was clearly paying attention. 
Um, we we understood that they, they they were seeing that they were losing users to Cash App because of that, and so they they accelerated the adoption of crypto. And that the fact that now PayPal, a well regulated entity and well respected and available worldwide, will now support cryptocurrency, that is major news. And also, it would benefit their users because if you can transact in crypto. Uh, and people use PayPal again to do remittances to move money from the U.S. into you know other countries or or vice versa. If you do that on Bitcoin, the transaction will happen, you know, very fast compared to doing it in the traditional ways that sometimes it takes days. So millions more will now be joining uh, the crypto world. Uh, crypto world millions more more will own Bitcoin. Uh, more importantly, they will be educated about Bitcoin, about crypto, because now it's available on PayPal. So they will read about it. They will understand the value of the technology and why it will impact their lives. We've said all along, I mean, since I've joined eToro, uh, whenever I, I make a kind of a, a public uh, um, speaking engagement or whatever, and I, I say that crypto will change your life, whether you like it or not. It, it will change your life. So better, better read about it now so you can prepare. And the PayPal move is just one example of, of adoption. And we, you know, for sure, we will see more companies getting into the space. By the way, on the, on the institutional side, you also see that, right? So you see MicroStrategy allocating, um, 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 you know, part of their treasury into Bitcoin, as a way to manage uh, cash reserves. And now you see more and more companies do that too. So CFOs are reading about this and you'll see more companies, more CFOs saying, hey, I should own you know, some Bitcoin in order to make uh, the best use of the company cash reserves. That is happening too. So combined together, I feel very bullish about the market. You know, there are people right now that have been on the sidelines They've been reading, they've been watching. And for the past couple of years, they've heard the stories about people making money, people losing money, but they're on the sidelines. Talk to them, give them some counsel and advice, not to put every dollar they have to their name into it, but how do you get going? How do you start? You know, I'm, I'm used to the world of, of going online and maybe buying into some stocks and then not, not looking at the performance for every three months. I mean, when you buy cryptocurrency, aren't you going to be glued to your phone for eight hours a day? I mean, how do I make sure that I don't become consumed by that? Do you provide solutions for people? Yes. So at Editoro, we provide a lot of education, a lot of materials, a lot of videos that are free. You can just, you know, it's free. And it's not just Etoro. You have many, many resources available out there for you to consume and, and listen and get yourself educated. It's free. It's just a matter of a decision. It's just a matter of sitting down and say, okay, I need to educate myself about this. Now, what's fascinating is that in some countries where they're not, uh, their currency is not as, as stable as the dollar or they don't live in a democracy, sometimes you have to do it because you'd understand if you have availability to, to the internet and you have a smartphone, you understand that suddenly you can protect your wealth you can transfer from your current economy, which is corrupt and, and, and maybe under sanctions and maybe you know, your wealth is under threat, constant threat by the government. 
you can effectively do what I call digital immigration. So you don't have to physically risk your life and try to cross borders. You can just digit digitally immigrate from your current economy into the new economy by buying Bitcoin, by buying crypto. And that makes your wealth um, protected from the, the, the government um, that, that, you know, that is, is probably in, you know, in all likelihood, I mean, I'm talking about um, all sorts of tyrannies and whatnot that, uh, that is corrupt. That makes your family more secure. That makes your financial future more secure. And we see this trend um, happening in front of our eyes. People understand that this is a way for them to build their wealth without risking their life. And I feel that um, it's just kind of wondrous sometimes how the internet plus having a smartphone and just a little bit of time can really transform people's lives now with the availability of, of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. That's great insight. And how do we learn more about eToro? So you just Google eToro or go to eToro.com or you know go to the app store, type eToro, download the app. We have great resources available for you. You can, we also have a virtual portfolio. So you, you, you asked before, how do you get started? You can practice on eToro. So you can, we have like $100,000 that we give you, which is like a monopoly money. You can trade and it's as if it's real money and you can kind of get over maybe, you know, some fears or some concerns that you have and um, start trading. And, you know, uh, once you get comfortable with your abilities and once you get comfortable that you're educated enough and understand the risk, you can go ahead and risk some real dollars and um, join a growing community of people who understand that this is the future. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bitcoin.com podcast. Thank you so much. You've listened to another episode of the Bitcoin.com podcast. Subscribe at news.bitcoin.com where your journey begins.